3: this is the decibel podcast with chris senzak and aaron camaro
0: you are celebrating a decade of decadence with the Decibel Geek Podcast, and we're back at you once again. We're going to have some fun. I'm Aaron Camaro. Chris Sinzak is also your host of this show. And what do you think, man? You know, normally we're doing like the best of the worst of a band in their heyday, like in the 80s when they were awesome. But this time we're doing it a little different.
2: Oh, this isn't the heyday of the band we're covering? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, this is this is going to be, um, this is going to get uglier well, as like we first go. first 10 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah, the first few minutes of this are going to be a lot of fun, and then after that, it's going to be a lot of jokes.
0: We're doing the best and the worst of Motley Crew, nineteen ninety and beyond. So we're not looking at the best of them in the eighties. All that kick-ass stuff, so hard to pick the best. There really aren't any worse. Well, I guess there's a few here and there, but this one is a little bit different. So we're going to start in nineteen ninety. And we're going to work our way all the way up to present day with one of our all-time favorite bands, the one and only Motley Crue. Yes, sir. But, you know, before we do all that, we've got to take care of our business. And, you know, our business is at hand when we're talking about reviews and recommendations. Because we freaking love it when somebody leaves us a review or a recommendation. I mean, if you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know... it makes us feel good when we get reviews and recommendations. Now, the only people that can give us reviews and recommendations are the fine folks that enjoy the Decibel Geek Podcast every week for free. Thanks, Pantheon Podcasts, And you are the ones that can leave us reviews. You want to give it to us? Give it to us good. Give us five stars. Man, we'll read it on the show. We'll do anything. We need these reviews and recommendations. Well, guess what? We got one right here today. It is a, oh, it's an Apple podcast review. Nice. This one's got them, all five stars. And it's entitled, Want to Know Why They're the Best? Give a Listen. And it goes a little something like this. Chris and Aaron rank up there as one of the best duos of all time. If you like hard rock and metal, you will love this podcast. You will think you're just sitting around just talking music with your buds. They know their stuff, and most of all, know how to entertain. You will not be disappointed. Plus, Aaron Camaro has the best laugh in the business. <laughs> that's crazy to me. That's, that's like your, my laugh is your Juice Newton and vice versa. <laughs>
2: that's never going to die, is it?
0: Yeah, everybody loves it. I mean, I never, never think about it, never thought about it, you know, and I don't understand it, but I'm okay with it. If you guys want to hear me laugh, I laugh at Chris Sinzak all the time. That guy says funny shit on the regular. So you're in the right place because we'll be doing plenty of laughing today, I'm guessing.
2: Yeah, Can I do a quick uh, audible? There's something I want to read as well. Yeah, okay. So I, I cool. forwarded it this your way, but I know you've had an insane work week, so I'm not sure if you got a ch- chance to see this yet, but we got a really nice email to the Decibel Geek Gmail address, which we don't typically get, but uh, this was it, it essentially works as a review, review and I thought I would read it real quick. Okay, yeah, no, I've not seen this. So this this comes from a guy named Scott Orish, and he is from Australia. So it says, uh, hey guys, my name's Scott from Brisbane, Australia, and I need to express my appreciation for what you and fellow podcasters do to keep our rock and metal community thriving. We may not be dominating the charts like we did 30 to 40 years ago, but as I saw firsthand last night, we're still going strong, and guys like you are a massive part of it. Before we move forward, let me take you back to the Airborne and Steel Panther show I witnessed last night, in a word epic the The energy that these guys brought was absolutely phenomenal as I stood there amongst roughly two thousand rock and metal lovers. I ga- glanced around and it really struck me what a special thing we are all a part of here. It's very difficult to adequately put into words this morning, but I was almost moved to tears last night as the music assaulted my senses with a full frontal barrage of sound and energy. This guy should be a writer. Uh, It got me thinking about our community, my place in it, and what a massive part of my life the music is. This brings me back to where you guys fit in. I first started listening to Decibel Geek about seven or eight years ago and have been a dedicated listener ever since. On the face of it, there's nothing special about it, just a couple of dudes shooting the shit about the music I love. But that night, that right there is the magic of it all. Hard rock and metal moves me like no other form of music, and the one thing that makes it even better is sharing it with others, and that's what Decibel Geek has helped me realize. Since discovering your show all those years ago, you've also introduced me to a number of other quality podcasts like Growing Up Rock, Shout It Out Loudcast, Potter Than Hell, and Cobras and Fire. Sweet. One thing all you guys have in common is a limitless passion for the music and all it encompasses. The characters, the history, the camaraderie, celebrating and reminiscing about music of the past, the excitement about new releases, all of it. I also love and respect the way you put pride and ego aside to promote each other's shows. In fact, that might be my favorite thing. It just tells me that it's all about the music, and after all, that's why we're all here. Chris and Aaron, from the bottom of my heart, thankful. Thank, thank you for what you've added to my life over these past several years. Don't ever underestimate the importance of what you do. I was going through a very difficult time when I discovered your show, but a feeling of connection to something bigger than my problems helped me pull out of it. I literally have goosebumps writing this because I realize how sometimes the little things in life actually turn out to be the big things. Please pass my appreciation on to the others I mentioned above, I thought about writing you in the past, but have never followed through. During last night's show, something shifted in me, and I had a moment of clarity, an epiphany, you might say, where this whole thing made sense. You guys have been brave enough to put your views and opinions out there for many years. Well, I have a voice, too, and I want to use it to thank you for all the good work you do to make sure our music never dies. From what I saw last night, rock and metal is alive and well. Keep on rocking, boys. Scott Orish.
0: Wow. Yeah. Amen to that. Holy shit. Yeah,
2: I mean, wonderful heartfelt uh email we got and uh we don't take that stuff lightly. That means a lot to us.
0: We might have to cancel this week's show like right now. Why? How how do we stand to that?
2: <laughs> now now let's make fun of Motley Crue. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> We tried, yeah, people. I, we I tried. wanted to read
2: it this week though, because otherwise, it, with especially the desktop Geek Gmail stuff, once it gets lost, it's gone forever. So I wanted to make sure that, that I got that on the air. Uh, but thank you, Scott, very much. It's just so cool that somebody from all the way across the world listens to us every week.
0: Yeah, and has apparently the same awesome passion for this music as we do, and loves it just as much as we do. And we know, you know, we know our audience. We know people like Scott, you know, they're the people that we hang out with at Rockin' Pod, it's the other podcasters, it's the listeners of the show, it's the people, you know, the people that give a shit about this music as much as we do and want to see it survive and want to see it live forever, you know, and it's important, like we said always, to support new young bands coming up, you know, we do the Fresh Blood episodes, you know what, it is awesome when you get out, say, at Rockin' Pod or at a really good concert and you look around and say, man... There's a lot of us still around. A lot of us still give a shit, you know, and we just didn't go with whatever was popular. You know, we stuck with what we loved forever and still do. Yep. You know, that's great. I love it. Yes, sir.
2: Fan-freaking-tastic.
0: What was the last one? Was it Fresh Blood?
2: Um, well, I guess New Noise, technically.
0: Well, yeah, technically, that's what messes me up now more than ever. It's like I could never remember what we did the week before. So it's like we do this thing every week, and then we go, Yeah, and then we wanna thank the people that shared it and retweeted it and we did last week's episode and then go. Um we did a new noise. I know fresh blood was not too long ago. It had to have been fresh blood. Hey, speaking of fresh blood
2: Yeah, it was fresh fresh
0: blood was the last I guess
2: proper episode we did.
0: Okay, cool, man. If you guys knew what was going on in our personal lives, you'd be amazed that we are here doing God, this tonight.
2: It's <laughs> too much. Life does get in the way sometimes.
0: But we are here to persevere. Yeah. We did that Fresh Blood episode last week. Everybody loved it just like they always do. Why? Because it's proof, once again, that hard rock and metal, mm, it's alive, it's doing good, and the future is looking sweet with all these great new bands coming out with great new music, Makes you realize, you know, we're not the only ones that have been grabbed by this music, you know, and it makes us feel something. You know, it's it's young people picking up guitars, picking up drums, learning how to sing, you know, hearing this classic stuff that we love and also doing their part to keep it alive. The only way they survive, you know it. You got to support them. At the very least, listen to that episode, check out all them killer bands, and then give them a like on Facebook. Follow them. Man, they might come to your town. You're going to love it. You're going to feel like you're on top of things. It's a great feeling. We put out that last week. We love doing fresh blood. It's our favorite thing, and a lot of people love it when we do it. You want to become a geek of the week? All you got to do is share it and retweet it when we put out this episode. ha <laughs> ha. These are your geeks of
2: the week. <laughs> geeks of the week. This ought to be interesting. <laughs> geeks of the week this week are Adam Cox, Rock and Ron Runyon, Kristen Schimbeck, Mark Alden-Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark and Jerry B.S. Sessions, Craig Turdich, Al Horda, Paul Korn, Kevin Williams, Bruce Hotchkiss, James West, Mark Starsky, Aaron Baker, Myra Chapman, Darren Parkin, David Glenn, James McElhenney, Todd Cunningham, Brian Knapp, Mike Parnell, Matt, Matt Porter, Shea Hargett, Keith Rockford, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Pantheon Podcast, Monmouth Wood Design, Jim Crean, nice. Scream Taker. David Cathy, Will Honeycutt, Alan Deshawn, Hakan Bergstad, Jay Shabluski, Bill Elam, Ernesto Aguiar, Tom Cullen, Jeff Taylor, Kevin's on Fire, The Central Scrutinizer, Whiting Guitar Works, Eladio, Gregory Muse, Joseph Capone, Victor Ruiz, Scott Crouch, and as always, The The Mooger
0: I swear I'd have put money on you to pass out halfway through that. (laughs) (laughs) I did it. You did it. Fantastic. See the work we go through? Chris does it every single week, reads the names of the geeks of the week, the people that find the post on Facebook or find the announcement or however that works on Twitter. They share it. They retweet it. You get your name added to the list, you get your name read on the show. Sweet simple as that. We love those people. We got to get to it. All right. (laughs) We got to do this thing. So we talked about it like we always do. We go, what are we doing next? you know, best and worst of something, what should we do? So I got thinking, and I was, like, thinking of, like, all these bands, like, in their best eras, you know, like, hey, Aerosmith in the 70s, or Cheap Trick in the 70s, or, you know, we do Kiss in the 80s, or, you know, awesome band. You can do Molly Crew in the 80s and have a blast with it. And I thought, man, that might be a little too easy. <laughs> Maybe we should do something a little bit different. So, I thought, let's take Motley Crue, start at 1990, because nobody wants to talk about Motley Crue since 1990, but we're going to do it today, because there are some amazing songs we're going to talk about, and there's some other stuff, too. And I think you're going to start out big and kind of whimper out at the end.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some true uh, audio herpes that we're going to be covering today. Ew. <laughs> so, speaking of Tommy Lee.
0: Oh. Uh-huh. All right, so if we're doing this and we're doing it proper, everybody knows the story of Motley Crue. Started in Los Angeles, California, raised on the Sunset Strip, became one of the biggest hard rock bands of all time. Peaked in the 80s, man. They came in hot, was strong all the way through. When I was a kid, man, it was all about KISS. But after KISS, it was Ozzy, it was Poison. But, man, I was all about the Motley Crew. Everything these guys put out, I couldn't get enough. If there was a mirror hanging up at the fair, I'm going to bust some balloons. I'm I'm all in on Motley Crew at a young teenage age. Thanks to my cool cousins, Robin and Rhonda, because they were a little bit older than me, and they had all the cassette tapes. It was awesome. Then the 90s come. Things are looking great. They just came out with Dr. Feelgood not too long ago, it's their biggest album ever. Now, the dudes love them. The chicks love them. Everybody loves Motley Crue. And we're rolling out of the decade of the 80s and into the 90s. And they come out with kind of a greatest hits album so far. Decade of decadence in 1991. I know you love
2: Crue growing up too, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you excited? Did you own this? I know you must have. yeah.
2: Oh yeah, I I bought this on release day when it came out. Oh yeah,
0: me too. Yeah,
2: yeah. I uh, still remember going to Sam Goody to pick it up and and being excited for it. And and I you know let's look at through some info about it. it. Debuted at number two on the U.S. album charts right behind Garth Brooks. Wow. So uh, it was they you know they were still on on the high of the '80s there. And and I do remember the the new version of Home Sweet Home having a video for it, and and that did really well on MTV. Yeah. Um. And it was, things were looking up. And then it almost seemed like in a matter of months, hey, Vince is out of the band. Yeah. It was crazy.
0: Yeah, I got this album when it came out. I loved it, man. Loved it. It had all a bunch of them, my favorite Motley Crue songs on it. And it had some cool new stuff, too, you know, stuff I hadn't heard before. Uh, teaser, the Tommy Bowling cover. Man, love that. Rock and Roll Junkie, one of my all time favorite Motley Crue songs. That song just freaking cooks. This is Motley Crue at their peak of their powers here. Uh, Primal Scream if we're doing best and worst of decade of decadence and only really talking about the new songs I gotta go with Primal Scream as number one for me in the UK is cool but my least favorite on here and it's really not that bad is Angela would be my worst
2: I completely echo your picks I I Primal Scream is it's I think Primal Scream is one of the best songs the band ever did and it it's kind of shocking that it that it is just on a greatest hits album as an add-on but it does kind of give you it does give you a little vibe of where they were going musically with you know with the next album after this, even though Vince wasn't around. And uh 'cause it has a little bit of a harder edge to it. And yeah, just one of the one of the best songs in their whole catalog. But then Rock and Roll Junkie I could kind of take or leave. I do remember it was in the Ford Fairlane movie. I remember when when that happened. Yeah. Um but Angela, like you said, verse wise and riff wise, it's not bad. But then it gets to the chorus and you're like, okay, so they just put new lyrics on Don't Go Away Mad.
0: Yeah, kind of. Kind of. The chorus is
2: exactly the same musically as Don't Go Away Mad, and they took the acoustic guitars off of it. Yeah. I and mean, it's huh. it's like a rewrite of that song.
0: I guess I never I have gotta go back and listen to that now. I just thought, man, this chorus is catchy as hell. Not
1: really, now he cares.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's, and I I'm, and I like some Tommy Boland stuff, but I don't like their cover of Teaser very no? much. Oh, uh, no, oh man, I
0: like it. I like it a
2: lot. And I I do like Anarchy in the UK. Yeah. I think that's a that's a great cover. Yeah, it's I all right. do like that one. Yeah, Rock and Roll but Junkie's y- killer though. I had a hard time
0: a, between Primal
2: Scream and Rock and Roll Junkie. No, Primal Scream was immediately my pick because yeah. it's it's one of my favorite songs in their whole catalog. Oh man, what the follow-up to this would have been? Well, but you got to wonder what the climate though would it have done well? Because I, I even if Vince I, had stayed, you know, I mean, I think they that that's what why Vince wound up out of the band. They saw the writing on the wall. So I don't know if it would have been a massive hit. Although I guess Skid Row was popular in the '92. Yeah. If they'd kind of maybe done something along those lines, kind of slave to the grind type style with the primal scream thing, maybe it would have worked. And I'm not
0: even thinking about. You know, how successful it would have been. I'm just thinking about how fucking awesome it would have been.
2: Yeah, I think it, you know, if it was understood that Vince was going to be in the band and Nikki had kept that idea of where they were going musically, although we'll get to the next album in a minute, but because I think Karabi brought a lot to the table for that one. But, um, But Primal Scream also has a really good melodic side to it, even though it's an edgier song which I do think they sacrificed a little bit of melody on the next album, even though I love it to death.
0: Mm. Always wonder what could have been, you know, if they just said, take Primal Scream and go from there. Take Rock and Roll Junkie and go from there, you know, what it would have been. Alas, that was not to be. But, man, being the huge Motley Crue fan that I've always been, I really didn't care, you know. I cared, but I didn't care. It's weird to think back at that time because like these things, like a band breaking up were so important, you know,
2: <laughs> oh, I was absolutely shocked when they announced that Vince had been fired from the band, yeah, that, 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 shocked it, I was and like saddened one of the biggest bands in the world, and I'm like, what the fuck are y'all doing? How are y'all gonna fire that guy after you just had you know, I don't know how many millions feel good sold but it sold a
0: lot right you know and at the time it's like man this is one of my favorite bands you know they're not gonna have no more music but then they got a new guy coming in a new singer a guy from the scream which i had never heard of at that time you know i only listened to the scream after this came out and then i seeked it out and wanted to know what that was about because i really didn't know what to expect you know it was so weird to think you know motley Crue without vince neal you know vince neal's been a part of this band since the very beginning you know from the very first time I heard Motley Crue it was with Vince Neal singing those vocals so strange to think you know what's gonna happen but I was such a big Motley Crue fan I really didn't care you know and the fact that Vince Neal was gonna come out with solo stuff I was cool with that too and I, I picked that up but this was one I got the day it came out you know and I remember the first time on Z104 years before I ever worked there. When I was just a kid that listened to it all the time. You know, I remember them playing Hooligan's Holiday and being like, Holy shit. And then you get the album and it's like it's not Motley Crue. But it's, you know, because it's not just the singer that's changed, it's the entire the entire thing, you know, because now John Crabbie's part of it and he's helping write the songs. So there's really no semblance to the songs off of Doctor Feelgood or Decade of Decadence at all on this album, but with all that aside, if you listen to it, wanting to like it because you loved Motley Crue, you listen to it one time, you go, okay, you know this is amazing all the way through, top to bottom, damn near a perfect album. I yeah, I would mm-hmm. say it's so hard to pick the best and the worst off of this. We've done a best and worst with a lot of bands and a lot of albums. I don't know if we've done one as difficult to choose as this one because of the fact that every song is good. Mm -hmm. Like, this is an album I put on. I want to listen to the whole thing. Yeah, I know you couldn't have had a hard time, uh, couldn't have had an easy time picking best off of here either.
2: No, not, not at all. And I... I kept agonizing over which one was going to be my best. And then I kind of had to, I kind of had to just make the decision of if I was going to introduce somebody to this record, that's never heard it. What would be the song that I would pick? Hmm. So that that's, that's why, and I guess it's probably the one I go to back to the most, but although this is one of those albums where once you listen to one song off of it, you end up listening to the whole record. Yeah. But, uh, I, for best I picked smoke, the sky. Got them. it it never fails to deliver it's got a great riff i love the lyrical content of it karabi's vocals are amazing but i mean god i, I could have easily picked poison apples i could have picked uh, uncle jack i could have picked uh, i mean jesus misunderstood even though you know it's it's a more of a mellow song but i mean from a songwriting perspective with like all the beatle influence on it that's an am- an amazingly written song and then uh, for worst, worst was kind of my easiest pick. Not that I think this is really a bad song, because I think most of the songs great. I do think the chorus is kind of a bit lacking on it. So uh, for and I this is like the one skipper on the album for me, and that's dropping like flies.
0: Hmm, I like dropping like flies.
2: Just goes on for a little too long, and I, and I think the the chorus kind of just takes me out of the song because leading up to the chorus it's great, and then I guess the chorus and just. We're dropping like fly. It's okay, but it it's just, it just doesn't really hook Okay, me. all right. That's interesting.
0: <sighs> I guess for me, it's tough, man. You know, Smoke the Sky was my favorite song for a long-ass time. And then, yeah. you know, Hooligans Holiday is always going to be special because that's the first song I heard. I remember them hyping up playing the new Motley Crue song. You know, we're going to play it at this time, making sure I'm in front of the radio at that time to hear it. And just being blown away by it. That's such a great song. I love them all. I'm going to go with Power to the Music. I think Power to the Music is a killer, you know, and it's a great track to open the album. It sets the pace perfectly. don't think of it a lot as a Motley Crue album when I'm listening to it because it's not the crew at all. You know, this has got nothing Mm -hmm. in common with Dr. Feelgood. Zero. Worst song on here? I don't know. I I hate to cheat and just pick the last track as the throwaway,
2: but... Oh, that's a great
0: song. It's a great country song. It's not even a country. It's just a ballad. I don't know. It's kind of country and western to me. I'm going to go with Drift Hmm. Away... And I like Aww. that. It's I like it, you know. I'm not <laughs> saying it's bad because I like that one too. There's not a bad song on this album, is what I'm telling you. Yeah. As weird as that would be from going from decade to decadence with your original lineup being so fucking popular to all of a sudden everything changes. You got to redo everything. The band comes out the other side completely different. Musically, it's amazing. Commercially, it's the shits.
2: Oh, disaster!
0: They should have changed the name. I'm I'm always gonna
2: stand by that. Call it something else. Yeah, I think they should have changed the name. I it, it would have, I think it would have had a better shot at being accepted because I mean the name Motley Crew, among and, you know obviously we love them, but to the general public in 1994. Pfft not a good marketing move to use the name at that time. They would have been better off just doing something different. And I, the girl I was dating at the time loved old school Motley Crue and especially Vince Neil. So I, I picked it up and I put it in and uh, she fucking hated yeah. it and just did not like it all. She liked Love Shine and she liked Drift Away. Those like the only two songs on it she liked but everything else she's like this is not molly crew and i'm kind of like well i kind of agree with you but at the same time to me it fit like a glove i enjoyed it because it was i think we were kind of the the limited target audience because we were in our teens when this came out so we were old enough to to know crew from back in the day and obviously know their old stuff but also we were also into current music at the time and, and you know, harder and heavier stuff. You we know, were listening to Pantera and stuff like that. So to me, I was just like, no, this is just an evolution for the band. I just loved it. I mean, yeah.
0: It's it's fucking awesome. I love it. It was This would be considered one of my uh, Desert Island albums, I think.
2: Oh, yeah. Completely.
0: It's crazy, too, because at the time, they would have had the media attention because MTV was strong that if they'd have changed mm-hmm. the name... They would have still got the coverage. They said, this is the band that was Motley Crue, you know, or this is Uncle Jack, or these are the Poison Apples featuring Nikki Six, McMars, Tommy Lee. Meanwhile, Vince right. Neal's over here doing this, you know. It's not like if they would changed their name, nobody would have known.
2: And I guess Vince kind of beat him to the punch. You know, he had solo stuff out first, and, and he did pretty well with yeah. that too, but... Um, But, yeah, I mean, MTV gave them coverage, but MTV also kind of openly mocked them at the time.
0: And like you said, like your girl at the time, you know, there was probably a lot of people that said, no Vince Neal, no Motley Crue. I don't even want to hear it. Because think, it wasn't that long before, you know, that they released Decade and were so popular, had so many fans. That should have carried over to this. That tells me that a lot of people just said, nope, not doing it.
2: I wonder how many times the, uh, the phrase Van Halen pulled it off, why can't we, came up. You know what?
0: Yeah, you're probably right.
2: You're probably right. Except they didn't go more commercial. <laughs> they went less commercial. Right,
0: yeah. I don't know what they could have done. If they would have brought John Krabi ah. in and came out with Dr. Feelgood Part 2, that
2: would have been strange. Might have been awesome. I don't know. I don't know. that It probably wouldn't have fared any differently. I just think it was a, it was, a lot of it was timing. Yep, for sure. So, at that time, if you bought this album, you had the opportunity
0: to buy Quaternary. And since we included Decade of Decadence, we might as well include this, too.
2: Any thoughts on the Quaternary? Well, I didn't get to hear this until much later. Um, I had, obviously, I bought the the self-titled record around when it was released, but Quaternary, I didn't... uh, I think I heard, maybe it was in Metal Sludge or something that I first heard about it, or friends of mine told me about it. But I just, I I was into the band, but I, I just didn't think to get it. I didn't get this till maybe 10 years after the fact.
0: Yeah, I didn't get it either because, I don't know, I don't even remember that being, I probably just threw it to the side and put the CD in or something. I have no idea
2: yeah i wasn't paying enough attention to even know that there was other songs out there but um no when i finally did get to hear it overall i like it it's it's okay it's you you understand why it's leftovers from the album because there's really nothing on here that i would you know put in place of what's on the album so it's it's good for what it is it's cool that i like when bands do this stuff because it's kind of like well let people hear what almost made it yeah um But I guess as far as best and worst on this one, uh, well, the worst was easy to pick. That's Planet Boom. (laughs) Um, That's just garbage. No, really? No. Um, beginning to go off on his weird tangent yeah, into yeah. hip-hop and stuff no, but
0: you know nicky six's song wasn't much better
2: yeah i don't care much for that one either um for best i went with baby kills i uh yeah. it, it's got and that that one's all karabi. it's got the old school 70s rock vibe to it that yeah. he loves
0: yeah it's pretty cool like you say i wouldn't replace it with anything uh-huh. on the album but uh i'm a huge fan of the bittersweet too man the instrumental Mick Mars thing, killer.
2: Yeah. What about you? What, what's your best and worst on this?
0: Uh, baby Kills and Planet Boom. It's yeah. easy.
2: <laughs> We're unanimous on this one. Yeah. Close yeah.
0: second worst is Father, and close second best
2: is Bittersweet, and mm. that's the whole EP. Well, Friends, that one's okay. Yeah,
0: that's all right, I guess. So you got but, two that two that suck, two that are cool, and one that's just kind of okay.
2: Yeah. Although Friends kind of sounds like what you would end up getting from Union when Karabian vs. Kulik got together.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I could yeah. see that for sure. So that's in 94. They they try, man. They take it out on tour. They really try. And then they're going to come back and do another album. They're going to give it a shot. Or are they? <laughs> this is another big what-if too. You know, Doing this and making me think about these albums. You know, First, it makes me think... What if they could have kept it together with Vince in 1991 and what Motley Crue 94 would have been like then?
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Further than that, a little bit longer, a little bit further down the line, I say, okay, 1997, Generation Swine. It's already partly written with John Karabi in mind to be the vocalist on this, but stop the presses. Vince Neal's back in the band. But he's singing John Karabi songs, and it doesn't come off very good.
4: Mm-mm. So
0: it makes me wonder, and this, they do this with wrestling all the time. My buddy does that wrestling podcast, and they say, what if this and what if that? I say, what if John Karabi would have stuck around for Generation Swine? Would we look at this album a lot differently?
2: In, in my view, no. Um, but to me, I mean it i i wonder how much work actually got done on the songwriting for these things before Vince came back in because to me this record sounds like a ton of unfinished demos that never got sweetened you know for release cuz there's a i don't know there is n- this i think this might be the worst thing they ever put out i think it's just god awful even with karab if you put karabi in on vocals with the same songs i probably wouldn't like it anymore
0: yeah, yeah, it is a strange thing, man. If every band has a music from The Elder for Motley Crue, this is it.
2: It's <laughs> awful.
0: And then again, you know, I listen to it because I haven't listened to it in a long time, and I do find things on there that I like. I find a lot of stuff I don't like, but I do find a lot of stuff on here I like too. So for me, the best song on this album is just a heavy ass rockin' song. It's the title track, Generation Swine. Song Afraid, and I like Rat Like Me, and I like the song Beauty, even though it doesn't sound anything like a Motley Crue song. For the worst, oh geez, oh, I'm gonna have to think (laughs) about this for a long time. Nope, not really. It's Brandon. Yeah. No question. I mean, Rocket Ship sucks, and Confession sucks, and Flush is bad and glitter is weird, but Brandon is. I mean, if you were gonna take the best and worst of all Motley Crue of all time. (laughs) brandon's the worst (laughs) yeah
2: i don't think that they could ever i hate to say top it i guess bottom it um there's nothing yeah there's nothing worse in their catalog than that song i don't think
0: i mean they tried with other songs on this album to create something worse than brandon but nothing could make the grade
2: i like one song on this record what song you like (laughs) i like afraid and yeah and and it's a mild like even The video too with Larry Flynn. I think that's kind of cool, but yeah. um, I don't like any other song on this record. No, I really don't. Not no. even right like me. I like the riff in it, yeah. but like I said, I think most of it sounds like unfinished demos to me. Kinda, uh, it, I I kind of get that, and it's it just it's just like the it's like they got halfway through the songwriting process, so ah, that's good enough. We'll just go in and record this, and then um, I didn't know till looking through credits on here that glitter is co-written by Brian Adams. Oh, wow. Um, Rocket Ship. God, what a bad song. Um, Terrible. But yeah, but Brandon. I mean, I mean,
0: What really messed me up on this album, I think more than anything, and I was so, so excited for it. I mean, unbelievably yeah. excited. As, as much as I love Motley Crue with Karabi, man, I came up on Motley Crue as a kid that was in the metal way younger than I should have been. Mm-hmm. I came up on Crue and... Behind Kiss, it was crew. It was always crew. Is my second favorite band, you know, fluctuating with Ozzy and stuff. But, man, I was so, so excited for this in 97. And I'm thinking, yes, you know, they're coming back with Vince. It didn't work with what they were doing with Karabi. That shit was so different. They're going to come back. They're going to come back strong with an album like Dr. Feelgood. I just know it. Mm-hmm. They're going to come back and, Show everybody because we're talking 1997 here. Motley Crue, amongst the general public, not even anything anymore like something to be laughed at.
2: Oh, yeah, they were a punchline.
0: So, I really thought in my heart that this was going to be Motley Crue coming back with some songs like Primal Scream, Kickstart My Heart, Dr. Feel Good, you know, come back and try to create something that was Motley Crue you know try to recreate the magic of what people made what made people love them to begin with you know that would have been the perfect opportunity to do that to say you know Motley Crue has always been a band that says fuck you to everybody right mm-hmm. that's one of the things that attracted young men like us to Motley Crue was the fact that they were so rebellious if these guys were so fucking rebellious in 1997, they would have came out with an album, God, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, I'm going to say more like New Tattoo, a lot more like Decade of Decadence, calling back to early Motley Crue what people loved about him to begin with and said, we know people don't think this is cool, but we're going to show you anyway, you know, and come out and do what we do best and show people why they loved us to begin with. But that's not what they did this was lazy ass bullshit. When they knew John Krabby was out of the band, they should have said, "All right, scrap it all. We start mm-hmm. from scratch right now. We're going to come back and do what we do best. Not try to be something else."
2: Yeah. Well, I think I think it was a thing where the and this is going to become a theme as we go forward here. This is Motley trying to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. So, they're trying to fit into the modern rock sound of 1997. Which, which I guess you would call post grunge, and Ugh, that's not Motley Crue failing at it miserably. I, I remember when I bought it. I remember looking at the album cover and just knowing I'm not going to like this. Just something tells me this is not going to be good. And that, I,
0: li- I like the album cover. You I think did out of all these since I mean Motley Crue '94 album cover sucked. Ah, New tattoo okay. sucks. Yeah, you know this is the best. If you're we're judging album covers since 1990, <laughs> you got to give it to Generation Swine.
2: I guess so. It's None cool of looking. Good, I though. think it's okay. It, I I don't mind the idea, but I was just kind of like, I something told me just from looking at it I was like it's going to be them trying to be trendy. Oh and
0: man, quite the opposite for me. I was like, eh. this is going to be fucking awesome, and I put it in. I'm like, oh what.
2: Did, well, I'm looking at credits, and this is, excuse me for not uh, delving into this, but there there's some bonus tracks and stuff from here that I've never listened to. I don't know if you have. Um, Wreck Me, have you heard this song? No. Uh-uh. There's Wreck Me, there's Kiss the Sky, which is a Karabi co-write, and <laughs> there's one that says Confessions Demo with Tommy Lee on vocals. Oh, this my might, God. This <laughs> might surpass Brandon if it got left off the record.
0: I mean that song is terrible the way it is. I mean I can't imagine.
2: Uh, oh yeah, well yeah, yeah. But it's with uh, with Tommy on vocals. Oh boy. Oh man. Um, but no, I don't. I, this album is just god awful. And and it's it's funny because we're gonna get into the later stuff where they've released singles and stuff on bonus stuff, and um, most of it, even though as bad as it is, is better than just about everything on this record.
0: I wanted to like it so bad now so bad i wanted to like it
2: oh and yeah let me say brandon's my my worst oh if it wasn't <laughs> wasn't, it wasn't clear or I, did, I didn't actually state that but yeah brandon's the worst song in their whole catalog
1: let's get that on record <laughs> your mother gave birth to you with love inside she had count.
0: bad. Sweet. I mean, sure, you want to sing a song to your son. That's Mm. great. Record it on a cassette tape and hand it to him.
2: I thought his son was justified in punching him out just for that song alone.
0: I've been waiting 18 years for this, motherfucker. (laughs) You're about to get her now. Worst Motley Crue song of all time and it's about me? Huh? Get over here, old man. You're gonna get it. Mm. So, the big, giant comeback of Motley Crue is not what anybody thinks it is. And it's not what anybody really wants. I mean, even got some play on MTV, but still, I mean, it was, yeah, they fucked up that one big time. So then after that, they go, you know, maybe we should go back and embrace what everybody loved about us to begin with. Let's release another Greatest Hits so that everybody can remember songs like Shout at the Devil, Smoking in the Boys Room, All the stuff, Wild Side, Girls, 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 all the stuff people love about us. And what the hell, for the fans, we'll throw on a couple of new songs. Three of them. Greatest Hits, 1998. You get extra songs, Bitter Pill, Enslaved, and Songs to Slit Your Wrist By. I mean, if I was going to pick a best and the worst out of these three, Enslaved is kind of weird. It sounds like it should have been on Generation Swine. Songs to Slit Your Wrist By, is a very aptly titled name. It's just a <laughs> few rungs up from Brandon, I think. It's terrible. But Bitter Pill is amazing.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it's way better than anything on Generation Swine. Uh-oh. and swine and the songs would have been a little more like this i think it would have been all right but it wasn't you gotta wait till 98 for them to embrace who they are i remember being a young kid on radio and motley Crue's greatest hits was out at the time i was starting and they're like if you want to play the new song go ahead and play it but i played the shit out of that song because i wanted people to hear it i wanted people to understand that motley Crue is kicking ass remember this band you used to love them Coming up on the time when it's all going to change pretty soon, and people are going to remember why they love these bands, and it ain't going to be nothing to laugh at anymore. It's stuff everyone's going to be buying tickets to go see when they're on the team up tours all the time. But yeah, loved Bitter Pill. The rest of it, I could live without.
2: Yeah, I, I'm much the same for me. I mean, I thought I thought Enslaved was decent. It has a decent melody, but it kind of sounds like something the band Lit would have done at the time. It's it's them. Kind of trying to sound like a, a modern band. But but Bitter Pill, great song. Um, destroys everything on Generations Wine. Uh, if that had been the direction, like you said, I think uh, a lot more fans would still like that album. But, yeah, it was like they... It's like Nicky rediscovered how to write a Motley Crue song for that one.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. I like it. All right, then it's a break for a few years. Like I said, they're out there doing them tours. Now it's the year 2000. So for so long now, you can kind of see where Tommy Lee is having more and more influence on the songs, especially, I think, on Generation Swine, where he even gets his own shitty song. (laughs) There's a lot more effects in the music. There's all that going on. It's got to come to a head. Either they got to become that or they got to go back to being crew. But it can't be both. So off to the disco goes Tommy Lee. And Motley Crue comes back in 2000 with a new album that actually sounds like it could have been the follow-up to Dr. Feelgood. They finally go back to their classic sound and try to come out with a new album that actually sounds like a Motley Crue album. There's some good songs on it, man. I liked it. I, even this I bought on the day it came out in 2000. I was working at the titty bar, but I was playing songs like Hell on High Heels, and people would come. Dudes would come up and go, "Is this a Motley Crue song?" I'd be like, "Yeah, brand new Motley Crue just came out." Mm-hmm. I'm such a pusher. Always been my whole life. I'm a <laughs> rock and metal pusher. I can't help myself. Always out there trying to prove that Motley Crue kicks ass, even in the year 2000. As much as I love that song Hell on High Heels, which has just got that classic Mick Mars riff that kicks it off. I love it so much. I really like the song Fake. It's got a really good groove to it. They do a cool cover or something. White Punks on White Dope. White Punks on Dope. Yeah, That's pretty song. badass. As far as the worst, boy, it's down to two of them, I think. Like, I could put this whole album on my iPod except for two songs. Hmm. The worst one for me is Hollywood Ending. It's them trying to recapture that without you kind of thing. I mean, yeah. I could live without that. And the title track, New Tattoo, it's, that's another kind of sappy-ass kind of song. I don't really care for those ones, but Fake and Hell on High Heels and the rest of it are all pretty cool, I think. Here's where we differ. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, come on. They're back to their classic sound.
2: It sounds like Motley Crue attempting to do a Motley Crue album.
0: Well, it beats the hell out of Motley
2: Crue attempting to do a Papa Roach album. I'll give you that. I'll I'll take it over Generation Swine any day. But it's just it, it's I don't and I don't know if it's because Tommy isn't on drums, but to me it it's like it's like you ordered a Motley Crue album on Wish and this is what no. you got. It's, no. It, it, yeah. It's I'm not ha- I'm not well, I guess I am kind of hating on it. It's just, hating I, on it just I I hardly ever go back to anything on this record. And I wanted to like it a lot when it came. I had thought Hell on High Heels was a good single to to start it off.
0: Yeah, because um, that really sounds like classic crew.
2: The riff's good. Um, got me hopeful for the rest of it, but then there's just, I don't know, there's just a lot of uneven songs on here. Now, the two you mentioned, I'm, I'm in full agreement with you on those. Uh, the, t- the title track just does nothing for me, and um, Hollywood Ending is, it just, that? see, that's co-written by James Michael along with a few other songs on here. That is the team that basically became 6A.M.,
0: right and in in songwriting terms kind of became motley crew too
2: right and which we'll definitely get into in the next record but i mean the only one fake i like hell on high heels i like my favorite song is punched in the teeth by love yeah i like that
1: construction work in silicone
2: I think that's a decent song, and that's one I have gone back to. Most of this record, I'd never go back to. Um, it was interesting to go back and hear it again. I think I might like it a little better now than I did when it came, when it came out. I was disappointed in it, but for uh, least favorite, first band on the moon. I just I think that's horrible.
0: It's all right. I'd if it, if you split it up, I'd put it lower on the towards
2: the worst. But it's just lame. Um, but I, I don't know, Porno Star, eh. I like that one. I think the, the Tubes cover's fun, and I think that's cool that they yeah, did that. Yeah, that's
0: really good. I like that a lot.
2: But, um, but, yeah, I never go back and listen to this. The, 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 had, getting ready for this episode forced me to go back and listen to it, and I'm kind of like, well, I like some stuff a little better than I used to, but still, overall, it's not something I'm going to go back to.
0: But it just sucks that it took them that long to attempt it. And then when you yeah. do attempt it, you do it without Tommy Lee. Now, I mean, granted, they had Randy Castile on yeah. drums, which, I mean, if you have to replace your drummer, you can't really go wrong with that guy at the time. No, he was great. Rest in peace, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I just wish wish they'd have done it sooner. Like, when, when it came time to do Generation Swine, they should have scrapped that shit and tried to do something like this. When they were all there, younger, fresh on getting back together... Should have been trying to recapture this. This, like you say, it's—I don't know—it's not what you want out of. I mean, it is, but it ain't. I mean, it's—you should be happy with it because they sound like Motley Crue. But there's something lacking there. I don't know what yeah. it is. Maybe it is
2: Tommy Lee. I have no idea. Well, I—and this is kind of a weird, cockeyed way of looking at it—but I think if you like this record, the people you have to thank for it are a Stevie Rochelle and b Brett Michaels, and I'll tell you why. Because Generation Swine comes out, hair metal is absolutely dead. There's yep. n- no one g- gives a fuck about it. But then about a year before this, I believe, is when American Hair Band came out.
0: Uh, 2001.
2: Oh, so was right it after, after this?
0: Yeah. Yep. 2000-
2: 2001 is when Stevie Rochelle changed the world with that song. Well, so then Brett Michaels then. Because before that, in 99, I believe, was when Poison went back on the reunion tour. And you had the Glam Slam Metal Jam Tour. And for some reason that summer, everyone suddenly was into hair metal again. And I think that got Motley Crue's attention.
0: Because that tour went everywhere. Yeah. And in a time where, you know, those bands hadn't been out in the limelight for a while, this is around that time, you know, where people, I mean, they went on that tour and that shit sold tickets, you know, Mm -hmm. people went to that. And when they went to those shows, they remembered what they liked about that. Why do we laugh at it? It's great, you know? And then it goes forward to the day CB Rochelle releases that song. Radio stations start playing it. People hear yep. that and go, you know what? I do want to see Tommy Lee twirling his sticks, you know? We would think about the mm-hmm. lyrics in those songs and go, I do miss that. And I did like yep. that band. Why did I ever stop listening to Cinderella, you know? And, yep. and all of a sudden, I mean, I'm, I swear by it, that song... And people laugh at me when I say it, but I think it's the fucking truth. That song changed everything when radio stations started playing it.
2: Well, it got a lot of media attention. I mean, like major news outlets were doing stories about it. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So then, I mean, it's year 2000. This is all kind of about to come back around. Motley Crue is going to become revered again, as it should be. And then I guess the next time they release new music is in 2005, when they come out with another greatest hits, a big old double-disc thing called Red, White, and Crew. It's got all the best songs on there, plus Mm. it's got three new ones. If I Die Tomorrow, Sick Love Song, and a cover of the Rolling Stones classic, Street Fighting Man. You like any of these?
2: Uh, Yeah. I I think this might be my favorite. Well, Decade of Decadence kind of stands on its own, but... Uh, since then, I think this is the best compilation album they put out. I, I, I've listened to this several times, and I, I do like some of the stuff on here. As far as the new material goes, um, I thought "If I Die Tomorrow" um, It's a decent song. They had a lot of, they got a lot of good press for that song. Um, it was co-written by the band Simple Plan, and it does kind of sound like it because it mm-hmm. does kind of fall in line with their their sound. Not bad, not exactly what I would want. From them, but I do I do go back and listen to that one, and then obviously um, "Sick Love Song" another one co-written with James Michael, so it's got that six a.m. vibe. The main riff's really good.
0: Yeah, I like that song.
2: Production on it though muddy as hell. Like there's no real bite to the guitars. The guitars don't really sound like Mick Mars to me.
0: Yeah, maybe a little. I don't know. I like it. I yeah. think it's cool. Yeah. And then "Street Fighting Man" is pretty damn good cover. I like the way they do that one.
2: That one's okay, I guess. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not a big fan of that song to start with, though. Yeah. All right. So then a few years down the line,
0: and it's going to happen. Oh, I'm all excited again. <laughs> New album by Motley Crue coming out in 2008. It's called Saints of Los Angeles. Dude, I was so stoked for this. I was so excited. Just like every time Motley Crue comes out with a new album over the years, I'm there. I want to buy it on the first day. I want to hear it. This is my band. I love Motley Crue. I have since the first time I ever heard them. I got this, you know. I know people shit on this album a lot. hmm But there's a bunch of songs on here I think are pretty cool. I like the title track. I like the song Face Down in the Dirt. But I think my favorite song on here, yeah, it's kind of hard to pick. But I'm gonna go with, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with "Down at the Whiskey." I like that. It's kind of an autobiographical, autobiographical <laughs> kind of song. You gotta work them out sometimes, and uh, it jams. I like it. First half of the album is really good, and then it kind of just turns into, like, just extra stuff at the end. I think they could have cut the track list down by quite a bit. Worst songs on here? It came down to two for me. I really don't like going out swinging. You've played that on the show before, though. I know. My taste changed sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, because we were excited when this came out. I think the worst song on here is White Trash Circus.
2: Uh Uh-huh
0: we're just a white trash circus we're coming to town
2: yeah <laughs> but i do like songs off of here i like most of it i like pieces of it i like cert- there's certain songs i do like on it i actually i i think this has held up better than new tattoo or um generation swine i i think it's aged better than either of those records but
0: yeah well the album cover sucks compared to generation swine
2: yeah, there's not. It looks like a Madonna album cover. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it yeah. does. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm all for naked chicks and all, but it's just right. kind of like, eh, it's it's let's get too artsy here. Come yeah, on. let's
0: get a close up if that's the direction you're
2: going. Right, just just a big shot of the crotch. That's all. <laughs> right.
0: That's the Motley Crew I know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean. They do live, it up, live up to their reputation in some of the song, I mean, this ain't a love song. This is a fuck song. I,
0: mean, I like I, that, too. That's okay.
2: Uh, I like I like Down at the Whiskey. Um, the Animal in Me is okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but it's got some real stinkers on it, too, though. I mean, Chicks Equal Trouble. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that was not that um, great. It's okay,
2: though. I, I don't like Face Down in the Dirt. I don't think it's very good. Um, no. But, I mean, for my favorite, I, I have to go with the title track for favorite because yeah. I think that's a that's a solid song, and they definitely picked the right single to go with. But I'll agree with you on worse, though. Uh, White Trash Circus, terrible song. Just just no fun to listen to at all. Don't like it. No,
0: it seemed like maybe they thought, hey, nowadays you got to have 20 songs on your album. Yeah. But we've only got five. Well, we better get to work on something.
2: Well, and I remember there was controversy when this came out because um, DJ Ashba is all over this record. And not only yeah. in songwriting credit, but it's rumored that Mick barely touches a guitar on this record and most of it is DJ Ashba.
0: I think what I've kind of seen or ascertained is that DJ Ashba is all rhythm guitars and Mick comes yeah. in and does the solos. That's probably accurate.
2: Hmm. Kind of surprised they didn't get him instead of John 5. I had the same thought because it, it seems like he would be the perfect fit because of the previous working relationship with Nikki. But although John five, I guess might sell a few more tickets.
0: Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to just say, Hey, Motley Cruz turned into 6am. What the hell is going on here? No, no, let's avoid that and get somebody completely different.
2: Yeah. But no, I mean this, I was, uh, my, I was a, I was a newspaper delivery person at the time this came out. And, uh, I was I would service stores I like gas stations grocery stores so two o'clock in the morning I'd be going to gas stations but giving them their load of papers and uh, one of the guys that worked at one of the gas stations was a diehard Motley fan like this guy yeah. he he owned everything they did he owned all kinds of memorabilia so anytime I would nice. stop there we would talk rock and Motley Crew and I remember like weeks leading up to the album coming out he was just just so anticip and he loved it when it came out and yeah, uh, good like I, I so i would every for a while every night when i would go in to dri- deliver his papers he'd have it just blaring because there's nobody nobody coming in to buy anything at three in the morning so um but yeah i, I remember that i find that always takes me back to that job i had because we would listen to it kind of like every night when i would drive through there that's cool
0: yeah i agree i think it's the best thing since 94 yeah easily because it's them going back to their original sound. Yeah, they got a lot of help on it. But they are also yeah. doing those kind of songs that look back at themselves. You know, I kind of like that. I told stories in some of them. But it just kind of dragged out towards the end. Too mm-hmm. many songs. Cut it down a little bit. Get rid of some of them extras. It's they're
2: hot in the shade.
0: Yeah. Just put everything on there. Yep. Some of it's not that great. Ah, put it on there. Let the people decide. We decided these songs suck.
2: So White Trash Circus is their Read My Body.
0: Yeah, maybe.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if Generation Swine is their Music from the Elder, maybe Saints of Los Angeles is their Psycho Circus. Yeah. Their Psycho White Trash Circus. Yeah,
2: it, yeah fill in players and all, right?
0: Yeah. Don't want you to know that, though. <laughs> and then from there, I mean, that was their last full-length studio album, I guess, if that's the last one ever. Not bad, you know, there's a lot of bands out there that have gone out on a lot worse than what Motley Crue did, if that's the end. But yeah. we get a few singles here and there. In two thousand twelve we get a song called Sex. But I think to what you were saying about how this band is just kind of being puppeted by Nikki Six and his guys, <laughs> and the production ends up sounding like something that might be like modern country production put to a motley Crue song <laughs> i don't know this one never really did it for me i mean i'm always excited when motley Crue comes out with something new but i don't know it's just kind of basic
2: much as i remembered when i i mean i i did hate it when it came out i still don't love it but um going back and revisit because it's it's probably been since 2012 that i actually listened to it and i was like eh, it's not quite as bad as i remember it being you know i don't i don't know, i wouldn't want a whole album of it but i was like it's it's okay for what it is
0: i wouldn't release it as a single you know that wow. would be an okay track maybe down further on the list but yeah. i don't know if you're releasing singles you're you should be saying This song is so good that if it was on an entire album, we would release this as a single. We would save this for our album, but it's so good, we've just got to release it now. Sex isn't that great of a song. None of them are. I mean, in 2015, they're back with All Bad Things. Yeah, it's all
2: right. You know, it's okay. But it ain't great. Now, verses are good, but could be the worst chorus that they've ever done in a song. All Bad Things, must it? It's just so... Bad. Um, yeah, not good. So
1: here we are,
2: put more thought into my review of the song than they did in recording it. It's just Just now. It's a a must skip. Just now off the top
0: of your head. All right. And then I guess almost finally, after years and years and years of it being talked about and promised, and the book comes out and all that good stuff, in 2019, we get the movie The Dirt. And along with that, The Dirt soundtrack, which brings Mm -hmm. us three new songs. The Dirt, Mm -hmm. Crash and Burn. (laughs) <laughs> and like a virgin.
2: Oh, ride with the devil. Ride with the devil. Did I miss that? Yeah, that's four songs actually. Oh shit! I must have missed that one. You didn't. Now you didn't miss much because that's my pick for the worst.
0: Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I don't know. I got the CD. I don't know how I missed that.
2: Oh, maybe it's a bonus track. Must I don't be, know. Must be a bonus
0: track because li- that's not on my regular list. I don't think.
2: Do you like uh, any of these songs? I like the dirt. In spite of machine gun Kelly, I think his part's the best part of the song. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't mind it. It's not really rapping; it's just more rapid fire lyrics. Yeah. I, I, I think it. I think that part fits the song. I, it's actually a pretty enjoyable song. Give me the day. It's a fun one. If I had to pick an original song for best on there, I would pick that. I think the best thing on there is their cover of Like a Virgin, though. I don't mind it at all. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's kind of cool, actually.
0: I don't really care for that.
2: (laughs) And I've just lost all credibility in this episode.
0: They've done some pretty cool covers of stuff over the years. Like a Virgin is probably the worst, I think. Eh. It just sounds weird and cheesy. It's like, I don't know. It's like a dude singing it. It's just not right.
2: You don't want to think about Vince Neal getting deflowered?
0: I don't want to think about Vince Neal doing the things that Madonna was doing in that video, like rolling around and stuff. And when I hear that song, that's what I picture, kind of chubby Vince Neal rolling around singing the song, and I I don't like that. (laughs) I love the song The Dirt. It made me give Machine Gun Kelly a chance. That's all he got. How long did that last? That's all he got, but... (laughs) You know, I really wanted to like him after that. It's like, well, you know, if Motley Crue is endorsing this guy and he says he's coming out with a rock album, I will check it out and I will try to like it. And I did check it out and it sucks. I can't do it. I tried. But, I mean, yeah, it's not bad. I like The Dirt, I think it's a great song. It's a good way to end their career. If that's it for new music, if that's the last song you're going to remember them by, pretty good way to go out do you mm-hmm. think we're ever gonna get another full-length motley crew album i mean we talked no. about mick mars is retired from touring and he mm-hmm. still is an official member of the band does that not kind of hint to the fact that there may be new motley crew music coming
2: i don't i think they just said that to soften the blow i mean i i think he's he's done and i i, I don't think there's a chance in hell of another motley crew album I would say, Mick Mars, go home. We'll get a replacement
0: for you on the tour. You get to work on that new Motley Crue album. When we're done with the tour, we'll come back. We're going to listen to what you got, and then we'll make an album of it. Yeah. But try to capture the same kind of stuff you did on the debut album, on Shout at the Devil, on albums like that. Try to recapture something like that. and we come back off a tour, let's do it. I would love that.
2: I think there's a better shot at getting mixed solo album than another Molly Crew album,
0: and we know from talking around to people that
2: are in the know,
0: know that that is pretty unlikely, which sucks.
2: If it does come out, I'm kind of scared to hear what it's going to sound like, knowing all the different permutations there are of that record, you know crazy and the direction that it took. We know more behind the scenes about that album than a lot of people do.
0: It's uh, it's the curse of the Decibel Geek podcast sometimes <laughs> to know things you don't want to know.
2: Yeah. Um, so we're not going to cover the Retaliator song that came out this year.
0: So it's weird. The video is cool. I like the video yeah. a lot, but it's Molly Crew
2: and like four or five other bands. Well, it's like singers from these other bands. Oh, okay. I did a little research. But Molly Cruz's part is very,
0: very minuscule in it.
2: Yeah, I think they, they're supposedly on the music. I It's probably just DJ Ashwood and Nikki Six with a drum machine. It doesn't even sound like real drums on it to me.
0: No, um, and I have a hard time. I like every little once in a while when I listen to that song, because I listened to it a couple of times just to know what it was all about for this, and I'd listen for Vince Neal and i go, Oh, wait, I- no, maybe not. Was that no. Vi- no, no, I don't hear Vince on here at all. Yeah. Like but Motley yeah, Crue doesn't share well. How the hell are you going to take five different things and mash them all together in one song and then put Motley Crue as top billing on it and it's not even really, it ain't nothing like Motley Crue. Uh, it's not bad for what it is. I mean, the separate thing, it's kind of cool, but it's not Motley Crue.
2: Until well, you told me about it the other day, I hadn't, didn't even know it existed
0: Yeah, I didn't either. I just was looking at, you know, what is all out there by Motley Crue since 1990? You know, is there any singles or songs or little things in between that we've missed? And that came up as the most recent thing. So we go back to the original argument. If that's how you're going out, you have to (laughs) give us another album. Right. We won't accept that as your final stake in the coffin of rock and roll history. Come on, Motley Crue. You can give us one more something good yeah
2: i don't know if i want another one but uh i'm more than happy to go back and listen to the 94 album or uh shout at the devil
0: yeah or saints of los angeles or new tattoo or all these maybe even go back and give (laughs) generation swine a try you know what i haven't listened to it in years and i actually found some songs on there i think are pretty cool and some songs on there that are very fucking horrible
2: I'm not happy I revisited it this week. Uh, It it just made me remember how awful it is.
0: Well, it's no fun to always do awesome stuff all the time. Sometimes we got to pay our dues by delving into stuff that maybe ain't so great. Anybody can talk about Motley Crue in the 80s. As a matter of fact, we do it all the damn time. So a little change of pace today. A little walk down the road with Motley Crue since 1990 all the way up to today. Long live Motley Crue, and God bless them for giving us so much great music over the years. Even after their heyday was done, they still stuck around and tried. Man, they tried to put out some good stuff. They did what they thought was right. Some hits, a lot of misses, (laughs) but the hits are good. The stuff I like, I really like a lot. And I'll always love Motley Crue and I'll always hold them as one of the greatest bands to ever form in any era, in any genre of all time. Fuck yeah. Wow. So there you have it. The best and worst of Motley Crue since 1990. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Do you not care about it at all? We want to know. Tell us your best and worst. Your favorite Motley Crue in the era of when Motley Crue is talked about probably the least. But there's still some good stuff in there. I know you love that new tattoo album. Just dying to tell us about it. Perfect way to do that. When you see this post on the Facebook or on the Twitter, make comments on there. Get to talking about it. Join us up at the Decibel Geek community on Facebook. conversations always happening in there whether it's motley Crue or kiss or ozzy or sabbath or go down the line all the classics the legends everybody's praising them all the new and upcoming bands everybody's discovering them where is it happening at the decibel geek community on facebook give us a like on our facebook page give pantheon podcasts a like and tell them thank you for bringing you the decibel geek podcast we appreciate them very much As always, we got new noise coming your way next, and then, who knows? (laughs) But we'll figure it out by then, and we'll let you know. This has been the Decibel Geek Podcast, and we'll see you next time. See ya.